Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Thank you for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen on listener-supported Faith Radio. We're doing that this week. It's a holiday week. Carmen is mostly taking some time off, as I mentioned a little while ago. Hopefully you can join Carmen on New Year's Eve night for a special live stream event called Strength for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. You can find all the information about that at MyFaithRadio.com. It's going to be on our Faith Radio Facebook, as well as our YouTube channels. Well, I'm Paul Perot, Carmen's producer, and we'll be enjoying some more of the best conversations Carmen had during 2020. Actually, <laughs> there were a lot of great conversations. It's really hard to fit them all in, so we had to had to choose a few, only 20 that we're, well, we're, we're enjoying uh, during this weekend. So I hope you stay with us. Uh, more of them coming up. But before we go further, as Carmen does, where in the word are you? Now, I don't know if you were listening a few minutes ago when we had after the after the news there was uh there was the what we call the good news verse. It's part of our uh, verse of the days which by the way I encourage you, go to our website, MyFaithRadio.com, sign up to receive the daily verse of the day, a way of getting some encouragement. And maybe, like I'm doing right now, okay, you find that verse, you're kind of going, okay, why was it said there? What, what, what's the bigger context? And so you you go back to the passage. Uh, when you heard Neil's voice a little while ago, he was reading our Verse, our verse of the day, our, our good news verse, it starts at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name. And it goes on from there. And that made me want to go back to second Philipp, uh, uh, rather Philippians chapter 2. Because in there, this is Mornings with Carmen, let's do a Carmen. No, 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 not Carmen LeBurge, Carmen Christie. Did you know the name Carmen means song? And what is found in the second chapter of Philippians is oftentimes called the Song of Christ or the Carmen Christi, as the uh, old Latin church would call it. It's, it's a set of verses starting actually at verse 6 that many believe was an early hymn, an early worship song of the New Testament church. It, there's a bit of a preface that Paul has. I'll start partway through it. But he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then here's where the song starts. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Talk about humility. Even though he was God, he humbled himself to save us. That's where our uh, our 
life, or rather our good news verse picks up today, therefore God has exalted him high and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is, <laughs> I, I, I wish Somebody would take that again, and actually somebody did make that into a song recent, uh, not too long ago. We'll hear a portion of that in a moment from Michael Card. I just wish it would become a worship song in the church. Hey, coming up next here on this Best of Mornings with Carmen, you know, we often like to share stories of lives changed by Jesus, and we want to share one of those stories next. It's the story of Jason Sautel, a former firefighter who joined us back in October to talk about his book, The Rescuer, where he tells of the amazing grace God shared in his life that saved him. And, oh, by the way, I do have copies of his book. It's called The Rescuer, and if you'd like to be in the drawing for them, remember, text the word book, just those four letters, B-O-O-K, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I'll put you in the drawing for an opportunity to win one of those copies. That conversation with Jason Tottel next as we enjoy right now a little segment of the Carmen Christie from Michael Card on Mornings with Carmen. Jason Sautel spent 22 years as a paramedic and a firefighter. Uh, He now has uh, a son on the front lines of the fires in Southern California. He joins us today to talk about being rescued himself. The book is The Rescuer. Jason, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you for having me on. Um, Well, so it's a delight. Uh, let's, uh, Let's touch base first about the situation in California because um, one of the things that we do here on this show is, you know, we take the headline news, we bring the mind of Christ to bear. Um, we're seeking to equip our listeners to walk their faith out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus. And your son is right now um, battling one of these two wildfires raging across Southern California that apparently have doubled. Um, tens of thousands of people have been forced to flee. Talk with us just about what it just feels like to be there. You know, it's it's an amazing feeling to be there because you show up wanting to help people, wanting to serve people, but when those flames hit, the only thing that you think about is safety and protection, protecting the lives of your crew, protecting the lives of those around you, and protecting the homes. And physically, it is exhausting because you're up sometimes 24, 48, even 72 hours in the initial stages, and you're just what we call bump and run from house to house that will try to save one house. And once the fire passes, we run and we get in front of it again. And just inhaling the smoke, taking on the heat, just the physical aspects of the job. It's really wearing on the guys and girls that are out there. Um, So when we conclude this conversation today, I'm going to ask you a question about what each and every one of us could do um, for those who are on the front lines. But let's um, let's circle around uh, here to your story, because you 
tell it so beautifully in this in this book, The Rescuer, One Firefighter's Story of Courage, Darkness, and the Relentless Love that Saved Him. Um, Jason, if you would, take us um, to maybe the period of your own darkness, like, right, when the... when when it all mounts up to the place where you're so desperate that you imagine even as a person who has been saving the lives of others, that maybe your life is not worth saving. You know, it, it first started when I was a child and then it worked all the way through adulthood. And while I was working as a firefighter, just the pain of my abusive past was weighing me down. What I had to respond to as a firefighter in West Oakland, California on a daily basis started wearing me down and I had nowhere to put it. And I remember one day I something just hit me and I said, I'm going to go to church And when I walked up to that church, unfortunately, they didn't let me in because I'm kind of a casual dresser and I look kind of like your Southern California surfer, if you will. And they turned me away. And when they turned me away because I wasn't wearing a suit and tie, that was it. I just felt like I was done. There's nothing left anymore. And the burdens had just become so heavy that, that I was ready to take my own life. And it was a really tough time. But God wasn't uh, wasn't done, and He sent no. someone into your life who helped you, I think, see just how precious you are. Like, right there's a, there's the influence of a person in this story, um, and this story I don't think would be told without her. So let's uh, let's highlight that that person right now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that would be this uh, young nursing student, Christy. Uh, God put her in my life at just the right time. After a series of rough events and the, the church incident, he put this young lady in my life. And she is the first person that truly showed the love of Christ in her actions, her words, and just the way that she kind of cared for me. And that was 18 years ago. And uh, since then, we now are married. We have four kids, two dogs, and a whole bunch of bills. So she's been been in my life for quite some time. And she uh, she did not, quote, save me, but she definitely, the Lord did definitely use her to uh, draw me to him. Uh, and she invited me to church. and gave me the gospel message. So um, if we were like Christy's mom at the time, we might be like, okay, that looks an awful lot like missionary dating, and that's a bad idea. But God, um, God in this case um, absolutely used her, and, um, and you hear her voice a lot in the book as well, and that is, um, I mean, obviously her influence is very, very significant. Um, talk with us about the expectations that we place upon firefighters and other first responders today. I'm thinking, you know, um, you talk about in the years that you spent as a firefighter and paramedic, many of the things that you responded to were not actually physical fires, like we're now fighting in Southern California. You share lots of stories in um, in The Rescuer um, of being called to all kinds of other crises in people's lives. It takes a toll. Um, talk a little bit about what people are facing in our communities, and then how first responders are also facing those same challenges. Right. Well, the men and women behind those badges, under those helmets that show up to help each and every one of us, they're people. They're People always like to use the term heroes, and, and that's a fine term to use, but sometimes the human gets lost in that term. They have all the same troubles you have. They're in the middle of a pandemic. They're in the middle of all the, the, the crazy political times, but they still have to show up and selflessly serve when someone calls. So our job is to come to your rescue, and we never judge how you got where you are. We just show up 
and try to do what we can to pull you out of it. Now that also weighs you down because when you go on a shooting or a car accident or even see a loved one of a family member pass away after many years of marriage and you see the pain, a piece of that attaches itself to you and it starts to weigh you down too. So so our responders sometimes get overlooked, you know, when we throw the hero term out there, that they also are human beings who feel pain and they're suffering just like the rest of us. So I'm talking with Jason Sautel. We're talking about his new book, uh, The Rescuer. It is um, his own story of being rescued by Christ. Um, It is dramatic. Uh, When we come back, I'm going to ask Jason to share with us a dramatic story of actually nearly dying in a fire and how that was a real turning point for him. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm talking with Jason Sautel. We're talking about his book, The Rescuer, One Firefighter's Story of Courage, Darkness, and the Relentless Love That Saved Him. You can um, you can actually find it at rescuerbook.com. Lots of resources there um, for you to check out in addition to the book. So I encourage you to connect with Jason there at rescuerbook.com. Jason, tell us the story. Um, you nearly died in a fire. Um, share that story with us and then, um, you know, talk about how that was a real turning point for you. Yeah. So it was approximately 4.30 a.m. We woke up for a uh, smoking ability. Then we went to a downtown high rise in Oakland and we got there. We found that there was a basement fire, but unfortunately we couldn't find the fire right away. So I broke open a door and told the younger firefighter with me, just hold tight. I'm going to go in and see if I can find where the fire is and I'll come back out and we'll get the hose and we'll just knock it down. And while I was making my way through the building, it was getting darker, it was getting hotter, and my senses were telling me I'm in a bad situation. And although I couldn't find the fire, it ended up finding me. From floor to ceiling, everything just turned to flame. And I was about 100 feet deep in the building. There were no back doors. It was a high rise. It was also a brick building. So I couldn't get out. And I've been a little spooked in fires, but this was the first time I got scared because I honestly thought I was going to die. I couldn't make my way back through the flames. I couldn't exit. And I just curled up on the ground and all I could think was, I don't want to die alone. I don't want to die empty. I don't want to die with this nothingness. And it felt like the emptiness, darkness, and evilness that I had been carrying around my whole life came to a headway right there. And I was feeling eternity and what the pain of eternity was going to be like because the the heat of the flames were just bearing down on me. But by the grace of God, my crew knew that I was in there when they saw the flames light up, they pushed through and they saved my life. And when I came out, I realized after the fact that I was in a bad situation, I probably wasn't going to die because they were coming to get me. But in that moment, I still couldn't shake the feeling that I didn't want to live alone anymore. And just prior to this fire is when Christy invited me to go to church. She actually said, I'm going to break up with you if you don't go to church with me. She never said, I'm going to break up with you if you don't accept Jesus. But I went to church with her and I heard the gospel message and everything just started coming together. And it was at that point in my life, after 28 years of walking in the darkness, I said, all right, Jesus, I'm all in. Let's do this. It's, um, it's, such, a, it's such a profound um, story and it's, it rings true. It doesn't really matter who you are or 
what your vocation is. This is a story that rings true because we are lost and we are desperate and we are empty and we are in need of a savior and help has to come from the outside. We literally can't do it ourselves. It's a, it's such a, um, it's such a, your story is such a portrayal of the gospel itself. Like help had to come from the outside. We could not save ourselves. And um, so just talk with me a little bit about, you know, Jesus. Why does Jesus matter to you? Who, who is Jesus? I mean, he's everything. First off, what, you know, he completed what I couldn't, what God knew I couldn't do. And by putting my faith in him, reconnected me with God. I'm no longer just his creation. I'm now a child of God because of my faith in Christ crucified. And when that happened, he became my everything. He became my clarity, my strength, my love. By turning to scripture and looking at what's going on in the world today, I may not understand everything, but I understand fallen world. I understand sinful nature. I understand everything and it makes sense. So when I say Jesus is my everything, number one, he is my hope for an eternity in heaven, but he is also someone who walks alongside me, leads me. I can fall back into and gain strength when I can't continue on in this world. So to answer that question simply, he's my everything. Yeah. Uh, amen. Amen and amen. Um, Jason, um, as we as we close our conversation today, I'd, I'd love for you to just speak to those people who are living in darkness, um, who are considering that their life is not worth saving, who don't see a way out. Um, and I want you to, you know, invite them to to cry out for the help that's available. Yeah. You know, for anyone who's in that desperate situation, God has given us so much. Number one, I pray that you, if you're in a really dark situation right now, you reach out to someone, a crisis line, a help line, a church, a friend. Please reach out right now if you're in that position. But if you're just walking lost and you're in the dark and you're feeling horrible like I did for 28 years, just hop into your Bible. Talk to a Christian, someone who's nice, not someone who's just going to preach down to you. But someone that you recognize in your life that actually walks the walk as a Christian and and ask them some questions and pray and talk to God and grab a Bible and read through it. But make sure you have people around because the first time I read through a Bible, I understood nothing. But if we pull people that God gave us into our lives and we start talking to them about faith-based issues— You'll start seeing the light come on. You'll start seeing the darkness there. Now, don't get me wrong. You'll still have rough times. You're still in this fallen planet, this fallen world, but you will have a starting point and you will have a place to leave all of your problems. Jason, it occurs to me that um, Christians who are listening right now uh, need to have their eyes open and their ears open and their hearts ready to receive those individuals, to hear their stories, to answer their questions, to pray with them, and to open the scriptures with them. Like, we need to be prepared to walk alongside those who do turn and say, I'm, I don't, I don't want to live empty like this anymore. Um, and so thank you, uh, Jason, so much for joining us today. Thank you uh, for the book and the contribution to the conversation. Again, friends, the book is The Rescuer, One Firefighter's Story of Courage, 
Darkness and the Relentless Love That Saved Him. Jason Sautel is the author. You can find it all at rescuerbook.com. Jason, thanks so much. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Well, again, good morning and thank you for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen on listener-supported Faith Radio. A little while ago, we just finished up a conversation with Jason Sautel, the author of the book, The Rescuer. And if you would love to hear his full story of God's amazing grace in his life, we do have copies of the book that we're giving away. So to enter the drawing, again, remember to text the word book and just those four letters. Don't add emojis. Don't add an exclamation. Don't just B-O-O-K to... 877-933-2484. You'll get a little kickback message with uh, just a hyperlink you click on, and you can enter the drawing. We'll be giving that away later this morning. So make sure you get your name on the hat. Again, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Well, again, enjoying some of the best conversations of 2020 on this Best of Mornings with Carmen. And while you can't deny the need to contextualize and apply the gospel to a culture, any good missionary will tell you that, or missiologist, we've had Ed Stetzer on many times talking about that, the danger is when you take the false beliefs of the culture and apply them back on the gospel. And that has happened in the past many times. And it's happening again with so called progressive philosophy affecting evangelical theology. Up next, a conversation with former singer and now apologist Elisa Childers about her book, Another Gospel, A Lifelong Christian Seeks Truth in Response to Progressive Christianity. That's coming your way in about five minutes here on this Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. We are never without hope because we are never without prayer. Prayer confesses, God can handle it, and since he can, I have hope. This is Max Licato. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we come to God on the basis of Jesus' accomplishment. The scripture says, since we have such a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Some people say prayer changes things because it changes us. I agree, but only in part. Prayer changes things because prayer appeals to the top power in the universe. It is the yes to God's invitation to invoke his name. Prayer moves the world because prayer moves the heart of God. This is Max Locato. Childers, uh, her website is alisachilders.com. I have that right. I'm looking on my I'm looking on my notes. Yes, alisachilders.com. Um, and the book is Another Gospel. Alisa, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Good to talk with you. Hey, it's good to talk with you too. So this this shift in the religious landscape, I think, that provokes this conversation um, is probably one that we should identify at the outset of the conversation. So what's the cultural movement that's going on that's actually resulting in the preaching of another gospel, the proclamation of another gospel in our churches? 
It's a movement called progressive Christianity. So many of uh, the listeners that are listening to this might remember the emergent church in the late 90s, early 2000s that came in with some different ideas about God and about the Bible and how we should be reading the Bible and uh, what Christianity means. And essentially, the uh, it was I, I think we were able to kind of push that out of the evangelical church, but everything kind of reassembled online and then re-emerged as progressive Christianity in the evangelical church. So essentially, it's just it's a group of Christians that are largely ex-evangelicals who are uh, maybe reading the Bible in a new way, uh, adopting cultural norms when it comes to sexuality, uh, but they're still putting the label Christian on it. And and sometimes the 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 term evangelical. So now we now have this progressive evangelical movement as well. I think that that's confusing to people who, you know, they're, they're, they're comfortable saying that they are Christians and they're comfortable saying that they're evangelicals and so that they assume that everyone else who uses those terms means the same thing by it. That is, I think, the surprise for a lot of people. Those terms do not mean to everyone the same thing. That's right. And that's one thing that's a the hallmark of progressive Christianity is sort of this co-opting of language. So they'll use words like evangelical, they'll use words like divine inspiration and even incarnation and resurrection, but they mean different things when they use those words. Yeah, so that kind of gets us into some of the key tactic conversations that you um that you expose in this book. Again, the book is Another Gospel. The author is Elisa Childers. I do have books to give away. So if you're already thinking to yourself, this is the apologetics book. This is the conversational book that I need. I recognize um, that the face of Christianity has changed, and I don't understand exactly how it has changed. Um, I don't understand progressive Christianity, and I want to be able to identify the false gospel when it is preached um, and when it is presented. So, uh, Elisa, talk about... um, deconstruction, because you alluded there in your answer to the first question to the fact that people read the Bible differently. There is a different way of reading the Bible in progressive Christianity, and part of that conversation is deconstruction, and I want people to understand what that is. Yeah, so when we talk about kind of co-opting certain words and phrases, this is all sort of tied in with this phenomenon of deconstruction. So many of us have watched our social media news feeds become flooded in some cases with these stories of Christian celebrities, Christian musicians, authors who go through this process of deconstruction and then they announce either I don't know what I believe anymore or I'm out. I'm not a Christian anymore. And so this process of deconstruction, uh, people, again, this is a word people use in, in different ways, but it actually has its underpinnings in postmodernism. And so it has to do with sort of explaining away, picking apart all the beliefs that you grew up with as a Christian. And so in some cases, people will deconstruct all the way into atheism. At other times, they'll deconstruct maybe be right up to the edge of it into some kind of agnosticism. But this is something we have to understand about this progressive Christian movement is, you know, the, the movement together can include agnostics and atheists. Um, they sort of travel on some of the same podcasts and some of the same groupings. And so uh, it's not just referring to somebody who went through a time of doubt Maybe they're reassessing their beliefs and they go, no, I think all my beliefs are correct. This really has to do with the tearing apart of your faith, really 
on the level of what words actually mean. I, I remember when I was uh, in a class in a progressive church, I was sitting in a chair and I just remember thinking, I mean, I hadn't heard the word deconstruction yet, but that's what was going on for so many people in this class. And I just remember sitting in this chair going, you know, I could explain away this chair. Like I could, I could get into the molecules and what this means and what arms actually mean and what the word chair actually means. And I could make a case that this isn't actually a chair, but that's still, that wouldn't reflect reality, even if I was able to do that with the way I was using language. And so deconstruction works uh, a lot like that. And, and that's, that's the whole kind of point in progressive Christianity. It's a rite of passage. It's something that, you know, for you, for you to be really a part of this movement, you have to go through this process of deconstruction. So, Elisa, you know, when you describe it that way, um, I'm, I'm remembering an experience that I had my first year of seminary when um, it was explained to me that the goal of the exercise at the seminary that I attended was that they were going to take away or they were going to take apart what was my working functional faith. Um, think of it like a watch. We are going to take it apart and it will be your responsibility to put it back together if you can. Wow. That and they were very clear that that's what they were doing. And people didn't just abandon their faith, they abandoned the church. Um and mm. I suppose if you abandon your faith, you should abandon the church. But part of what you are addressing um in this book, another gospel, is that people abandon the faith and then they still lead the church, and that yeah. is a problem. So we're going to address that when we come back. My guest is Elisa Childers. The book is Another Gospel. We'll be right back. I am talking with award-winning CCM recording artist Elisa Childers, part of Zoe Girl. She's also a very popular speaker at Apologetics and Christian Worldview Conferences. Um, she has written a book. It is Another Gospel. It talks about her own experience of waking up to the reality of progressive Christianity and then teaching us how to identify it and address it in the world today. Um, Elisa, talk about the encroachment of Another Gospel into the life of the church. Well, I titled the book that way because I think many Christians are under the misconception that progressive Christians are just a group of, you know, earnest Christian believers who might just be more mission minded or they might just be changing their minds on some political issues or something like that. But what we need to understand is that progressive Christianity at its fundamental core level is theological. So all of the the political changes, all of those uh, you know, changing their minds on social things. This this is finding its root in the way that they view who God is, what the Bible is, and, you know, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. All of these questions are informing the worldview of uh, progressive Christianity. So this this isn't just a movement of Christians that are that are changing their minds. This is a, this is a foundational uh, attack on historic Christianity. And so that's why I titled the book that way, because I argue in the book by going through some of these theological points that I think that's the case. Yeah, I'm thinking here of uh, Machen's Christianity and Liberalism. There is a conversation here about another faith. We're not just talking about, um, you know, a a slightly different version um, we are talking about another gospel. Obviously, the, the referent there is Paul's admonition to the Christians in Galatia. And yeah. so, um, 
maybe let's talk about how to identify it. Uh, what are what are some of the ways that people can use to determine if their church is demonstrating progressive leanings and proclaiming another gospel? There are certain signs you can look for in your church. The number one thing I'd be looking for is the way that your church leadership talks about the Bible. So historically, Christians, although we've certainly disagreed over things uh, like interpretations, is why we have so many denominations, but Historically speaking, if you go back to the earliest Christians and trace that through church history, Christians have believed that the Bible is God's inspired, infallible, inherent uh, word, that this, this, we are beholden to obey it. It's, it has authority over us. And largely in the progressive church, they don't view the Bible that way. So they're going to look at the Bible as a record of what people believed about God in their times and places. But it, it's not really authoritative for our lives as far as us looking at the Bible as God's words to us. So they might think you can find God's word in it somewhere at certain points, or the word of God might come to you as you read it. But the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation is not viewed as the infallible word of God in the progressive church. So you might hear a pastor say something like, you know, I think Paul had biases and prejudices that uh, affected what he said about women. Or you might hear a pastor say, well, I disagree with Peter on this point. Uh, and so, so that would be a big sign. Another sign to look for would be how they uh, how they actually go about preaching the gospel. So uh, largely in the progressive church, it's a works-based gospel because they don't like the narrative of us being born uh, in, in this good uh, situation, and then we rebel against God, passing sin nature down to each human. Jesus dies on the cross to save us from our sin. He's coming again, final judgment. They don't like that narrative. So largely that's get that gets jettisoned in favor of social justice. Now, certainly Christians are committed commanded in the Bible to do good works and to stand up for the oppressed and do biblical justice in the world. But in the progressive church, that is the gospel. But of course, we know we, you can't earn your salvation. And so it, it becomes uh, really burdensome, I think, for people. Uh, and, and so the cross, again, if they don't like that narrative, you might hear the cross referred to as something like cosmic child abuse. If you, if you hear that term or divine abuse, in relation to the cross, that's a huge sign that that your church leadership is heading in this direction. Oh yeah, I'm completely familiar with that particular um, approach, um, and it is helpful, Elisa, to be having this conversation. For those of us who come out of mainline Christianity, these are conversations we've been having for a fairly long period of time. It has arrived in the evangelical church. It has arrived in um, more conservative expressions of the Christian family. Um, and I, I think I want to give a, a word of encouragement. Um, I'd like for you to give a word of encouragement to people listening right now who kind of woke up to the fact that their church, the congregation of which they have been a part for a long time, has really shifted uh, on the foundation, um, undermined the foundation of the scriptures, is preaching another gospel. And they've, they've just sort of recently like woken up to that reality. They, um, it, it happened over time and they kind of missed it along the way. What's the counsel to, um, to a person who's experiencing that? Yeah, well, you know, the first thing I would say is be encouraged to know that we are not the first Christians in history to have to stand up against false gospels coming into the church. And like you mentioned, 
this kind of these theological conclusions have been sort of burning their way through the Protestant mainline denominations for for hundreds of years, going back to when you mentioned Machen's book, when he was writing, it's like we're going through the exact same thing now in the evangelical church. So be encouraged to know that this has happened before. The other thing I would encourage listeners uh, to do is speak up. So, so when you see some of these ideas coming into your church, you've got to speak up. Have a meeting with your pastor. Do it lovingly. Do it uh, winsomely, respectfully. But but share your concerns and say, look, I'm looking at Scripture and it says this, and then I'm seeing some of these other ideas coming in that seem to contradict that. I'm concerned about it. Can you can we start a conversation? And I think we can do that in a very loving and respectful way with our pastors. I have found that, you know, th- there are the occasional times when someone will do that, and the pastor was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea that this author that I I was reading is a part of this progressive Christianity, and sometimes the ship will get turned back. Sometimes it doesn't, and that the meetings don't go well. But you know, biblically, we're we're commanded to speak up when people are uh, trying to bring, especially church leadership. You know, it's 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 church leaders' job to protect. Uh, the church from wolves. And even in Titus, when it's giving qualifications for a church elder, it's their job to be able to refute false doctrine. This is like your job. And so I would just encourage um, the church, for the church to remain healthy, we, we've got to rise up and speak up and and do it lovingly and winsomely and persuasively. But um, we can't just sit back and watch it happen and not say anything. Elisa Childers is the author. You can find her at elisachilders.com. The book is Another Gospel, but she's also got a lot of material there on her website um, for you as well. So I invite you to check that out. For Elisa, um, privilege to talk with you today. Thank you for not only the content of, um, of this book, Another Gospel, but the spirit in which you approach these conversations. We do need to be equipped to identify error, and then we need to be prepared to address it winsomely, and you do that uh, so well. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right, friends, we got to take one more brief break, and then we'll be back. Well, thanks again for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Carmen is off for the most part this week, and so this week we're enjoying some of the best conversations she had on Mornings with Carmen in 2020. And hope you join us tomorrow and the rest of the week for some of these great conversations or hopefully listening on the podcast, which will be available at MyFaithRadio.com. Actually, all of Carmen's shows are podcasted, so you can go back to the archives, listen, or better yet, we hope you sign up and subscribe. That way you automatically get the uh, podcast. I say she's off for the most part this week because, again, this Thursday night, New Year's Eve evening, starting at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, join her on the Faith Radio YouTube channel or Facebook page for Strength for Today, Hope for Tomorrow, a special New Year's Eve live stream event. Carmen will host. She'll have special guests praying out the old year, some great conversations, and also praying in the new. And that's a 
two-hour event, again, on our YouTube channel as well as Facebook page for Faith Radio. All the information about this event is at MyFaithRadio.com. Hope you go there and check it out. Now, also remember, here we are, three days left to 2020, and maybe you're looking at doing some end-of-year giving. Would you consider Faith Radio? Faith Radio original shows like Mornings with Carmen as well as Susie Larson Live, Afternoons with Bill, or some of my favorites because I helped produce this one is uh, Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on the weekends or Dr. Linda Mintel, who's one of our regular guests every other Monday here on Mornings with Carmen. Well, she has a weekend show on Faith Radio called the Dr. Linda Mental Show. All these shows are available and made possible thanks to you and your support. So if you're looking at doing some end-of-year giving to help your tax situation, but also you want to make sure it's impacting and offering hope, well, just go to our website, myfaithradio.com. You can find the link to easily give right there safely, securely, and thank you for your support of Faith Radio, and we will be happy to serve you in the new year as well, you and others. Well, I'm Paul Perot, Carmen's producer. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with more Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.